Hey, Dr. Bill Sinyard here with another Gospel Rant, uh, number 110. We are looking at just how much shame is evident in the eight Oscar Best Picture nominated films. Why the obsession with shame? I mean, that's such a downer, right? I mean, okay, think, think with me. If there was an epidemic of smallpox that was affecting virtually everyone in a certain community and no one was speaking about it or even recognizing it, would it be obsessive to try to get a dialogue going about smallpox? Of course not. But shame isn't smallpox. That's the problem. Shame is shameful. Captain Obvious, right? Who wants to talk about shame or even admit they have shame or have submitted themselves to shaming without being able to stop it? I was watching one of the nominated documentaries, fantastic documentary, by the way, period, end of sentence. I recommend it. Period is about a small rural community in India where feminine napkins are revolutionary new product in this heavily patriarchal society. And there's an outfit stateside that sponsored a napkin-making machine, which has the possibility to revolutionize or at least make a dent in how women are treated in that small community. It's too often the case that young girls there, during their period, avoid going to school, right? It's just too embarrassing to deal with the issues. Or older women feel like they can't get jobs for the same reason. So they must take embarrassing steps during their periods to cover up their, their supposed shame, right, and uncleanness. And that leads to mockery, a sense of being broken, and shame. It's a real deal. And it's preventing women in that culture from achieving their goals, or frankly, for even having goals. The product is rightly called fly. And now women do not need to feel like social unclean pariahs once a month. And they can fly now. Very cool, right? So let me tie this in with shame. First, there is an obvious connection uh, that women were enduring monthly shame in, in that Indian subculture. Uh, identity level, monthly sense of uncleanness and uh, not being worthy. But second, I was caught up by the interviews that the filmmakers were having with both men and women who couldn't talk about women's periods. It was, it was just something you didn't do. And you knew that the interviewee knew what the question was all about when they were asked, do you know what a woman's period is? You, you knew they knew, some of them, and yet they couldn't say or even deny they knew anything about it. It's shame hidden deep in the so social psyche of the entire culture. Deep, 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 deep stuff. Even the women couldn't talk about it freely. It's no, no judgment from me. I'm seeing similarities with shame, though, here in the United States. We're ashamed to dialogue about even the possibility that shame is affecting our happiness, our sense of identity and worth, and our relationships with each other and with God. I think it's affecting our worship, our prayers, our uh, missions. All right, back to the movies. Today, we're ranting about shame in the movie A Star is Born. It's nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, Best Song, absolutely. Best Actor, oh my gosh, should be. Actress. It was snubbed for Best Director, Bradley Cooper. Too bad. I think it could win for Best Picture. Maybe should, but that's doubtful. Uh, having said that, it's definitely one, one of my top two films of the year. It should definitely, hands down, win Bradley Cooper Best Actor, finally. He does a brilliant job playing salt of the earth, self-deprecating, shirt off your back, gentleman, 
music lyric slash message purist, alcohol and drug addicted country and western superstar Jack Maine. Even down to the authentic, and I really pay attention to that being from the South, the authentic southern drawl and the naturally downcast eyes that rarely meet yours. It's a great performance and I think one of Cooper's best roles uh, along with American Sniper. This is fourth Oscar nomination for acting. And if it weren't for Rami Malek's brilliant performance as troubled superstar Freddie Mercury and Bohemian Rhapsody, Cooper would be a shoe-in, in my opinion. All right, so what are the links between addiction and shame? Well, I'm going to use an extensive quote from Megan Bronson in a very helpful Phoenix Society article, The Dynamics of Shame and Addiction. I'll give the reference in my website blog at www.gospel-app.com. It's a long quote, but it's well worth the time to read it and begin to mull it over. Here's Dr. Bronson, quote, the cycle of shame and addiction feed into and off each other in an often desperate attempt to escape the uncomfortable and painful feelings of unresolved loss, grief, and trauma that become trapped in the mind, body, and heart and soul when unprocessed and unreleased. Feelings of grief and trauma include anger, rage, fear, anxiety, sadness, a sense of isolation, guilt, shame, a sense of aloneness, hopelessness, helplessness, and a loss of self. Compulsive behaviors such as substance abuse, food addiction, exercise addiction, compulsive gambling, work addiction, relationship, love and sexual addiction, codependent behavior, or being trapped in perfectionism can become attempts to relieve and control unresolved emotional pain and traumatic feelings. Let me say that again because this is important. All of those things can become attempts to relieve and control unresolved emotional pain and traumatic feelings. All right, Uh, back to the quote. The emotional, physical, and cognitive energy that becomes trapped when unprocessed and unresolved can continue to be triggered and lead to the compulsive and shameful behaviors that we call addiction. Jack's character, this is me again, that's, uh, uh, Jack's character was dealing with serious family of origin issues, and particularly he was a son of an alcoholic father. His mother died in childbirth, right, abandonment. His only brother was quite older than him. It's clear that these issues are complicated, deep, and unresolved for Jack. And so he has lots of pain, uh, unresolved emotional pain to deal with, and in his case, to self-medicate. No judgment. Back to the article. Quote, In the process of recovery from addictive behavior, it's helpful to understand the difference between guilt and shame. Feelings of guilt are a message from our moral conscience that we are doing or have done something that violates the code of our inner moral compass. Shame, on the other hand, sends the destructive message aimed at our core self that we are ourselves basically bad, unworthy, and forever flawed. Guilt says a behavior is not okay, while shame says that we innately are not okay. Shame is defined as a painful feeling of humiliation and disgrace, leading to a loss of respect and esteem for oneself. Shame drives the core self into hiding, and hiding feeds into compulsive behaviors to escape the pain of that shame and the sense of unworthiness. I mean, that's got Jack written all over it. Back to the quote. Shame is not just related to the helplessness and hopelessness generated by trauma, but also begins forming in the childhood when children are criticized in a way that attacks, shames, and demeans the core self. This degrading sort of input is especially damaging when the sense of self is developing during childhood, adolescence, and young adulthood. Such statements 
as you are a loser or stupid or fat. You'll never amount to anything. You're not as smart as your brother. You can't do anything right. All of those are shaming statements. And sometimes the tone of voice or nonverbal behavior that conveys disdain and contempt can be shaming all by themselves. It is helpful for children to receive both positive and negative feedback that is behaviorally specific. However, it is destructive to use criticism in a way that demoralizes and attacks the self of the child. Unquote. And she summarizes this. I think this is it. It's helpful to look at addiction as a survival response. Yep. Look, Jack is a tragic character who begins to find some respite for his shame in, in this accepting, adoring relationship, unconditional relationship with Allie, at least at the beginning, played by Lady Gaga. Uh, and that, that's a band-aid, but it begins to get pulled off as Allie pursues her own success more and more. No doubt, no doubt, feeling like abandonment to Jack. And again, I'm not judging Allie, I'm just saying, right? Jesus follower, we've been given something very rare and very powerful. Because of what Jesus did on our behalf 2,000 years ago, we can access faith by asking. We can access power that comes from God through the Holy Spirit in us that's designed to, one, defeat shame in our inner being, and two, begin to replace it with a deep residing sense of honor. Take a look at Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Just spend some time on that passage. It's amazing. So what does it mean for shamed people and addicts? So take all of your mommy and daddy issues, all of your family of origin stuff, all of the abuse, disrespect, and bullying and criticisms being overlooked, PTSD, the whole tamale, and roll it up into a huge ball and look at it as bigger than you think. Even so, the dynamic, intimate, adoring relationship that we have now with God, all because of Jesus, just crushes it. And not perfectly this side of heaven, right? But baby steps by baby steps, we can begin to feel freedom from shame's vile's fingers just a little bit. Just a little bit more today than yesterday. So we have prayer cards available on the Gospel App website. Uh, They're Gospel App prayer cards. You can get them in in packs. Uh, The basic card has four preaching the gospel to yourself prayers. And the last one is preaching the gospel to your addiction prayer. And the idea is this, if you say it two times a day for 30 days or 60 days or 90 days, so for instance, when you're going to your AA meetings or NA meetings, say the prayer. The power of its truth can begin to penetrate your midbrain. And noticeably so. Not perfect, not this side of heaven. But to put it in more spiritual terms, it's a fleshing out of the simple, uncluttered gospel to your addiction. Paul writes that the gospel is the power to believe. Believe what? Well, a lot of things, but the key among them is this. Strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, Jesus follower, God has to love you. He has to, quote unquote, has to. He does love you. That's what that means. He does love you as much as the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Spirit. He loves you as you are, not as you should be or could be, the addict. Whether you self-medicate today or not, whether you're off the wagon or on the wagon today or not, God's love for you doesn't change, doesn't waver. It was purchased by Jesus. Amazing. Um, uh, That fights your shame in a big way as long as you begin to feel it and get it and are assured of it. And it's the Holy Spirit in you who can make you not only aware of that honor today, but can make you convinced that it is true of you, even in the midst of your shame. All right, here it is. Here's the preaching the gospel to your addiction prayer. You ready? Jesus. 
I'm back. I did it again. The very thing that I swore I wouldn't do. I couldn't seem to help it. I'm far more broken than I ever thought. I'm ashamed. I am riddled with remorse and guilt and fear. I'm just tired. I need to ask Jesus, did you die for that sin, my most recent one against you and others and myself? The actions driven by my addiction? You did? It's paid for completely? Make me believe that now. I need to ask another question. Do you still like me? Love me? As I am, not as I should be? You do? As much as you love your father and he loves you, you do? Make me believe that too. I have another question. If I was to look up into your eyes right now, would I see that you adore me as I am, the addict, knowing that I promised to kick the habit and didn't, knowing that I will probably disappoint you again and again? I would see your adoration for me as I am again? That's the gospel? Make me get that now. Empower me to look up. Give me the capacity to willingly take this burden off and hand it to you again. Ah, addict, get that prayer card now. I mean, get a bunch of them, lay them around the house or apartment, workplace, and say it twice a day aloud for 30 days and see if you notice a difference. See if you need your self-medication just a little less than you did today. Not perfectly, that's heaven, but noticeably so. All right, shame meter. I give the shame meter for Stars Born a 65. That's lower than some of the other films this year. And, and look, Honestly, shame is one of the leading antagonists in the movie. It's a key driving part of the narrative conflict. I get that. But with the arrival of Allie, Jack's shame is noticeably reduced. You begin to think that there is real hope for ongoing day-by-day recovery until at least the unexpected tragedy at the end of the movie. All right, a bit of a teaser, a bit of a spoiler alert for those who haven't seen the movie. There really could have been a happy ending. And they all lived happily ever after. I mean, assuming that Jack kept on going to AA daily. But there wasn't. I suspect that, unfortunately, Star will only get a single Oscar for Best Original Song. And boy, does it deserve that. And that's too bad. Take heart, child of God. Hi, I'm Rebecca Scott. As a servant of God, wife, and mother of four, I understand the juggle of multiple roles and stages. That's why I created the Encourager podcast, to help guide us through the messy middle stage of life. Join me on the Encourager as we challenge the chaos and embrace harmony. Together, we'll create practical systems to balance your roles and fulfill priorities. And we will do it while having joy and energy for both home and work life. Tune in for inspiring stories and interviews, actionable tips, and methods to do both home and work life. Because here, we believe you can do all things, just not all at once. 